Happy Resurrection Morning, Woodland Hills. That was fantastic worship. I just love the way, uh, you know, you get out of worship what you put into it. And clearly people were invested in, uh, in worship and participating. And the Spirit of God just shows up uh, in situations like that, and it's beautiful. So praise God for that. It's a fun environment to preach in uh, when the Spirit of God is present in that way. We are, of course, speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning, and it just so happens that in our speedy study of the book of Luke, we're in, uh, up to the resurrection narrative. There's a little planning on this, believe it or not, but we've been in the book of Luke for six years. Someone actually looked into that. Six years. And we're coming down the final stretch. <laughs> we're in the resurrection here this morning. And so uh, I want to entitle this message, um, Defiant Flower, for reasons that I hope will be clear a little bit later on. That's actually a photo that someone gave me this morning about a, a, a defiant flower. We're in Luke 24. I'll start with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. These are two angels. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. We'll see here in a little bit why it was so hard for them to remember that. It was such an unusual thing. It just uh, went in one ear and out the other until it actually happened. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others, the men. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense, uh, we're dealing with a very sexist culture. Uh, no credibility was put on women's words. They weren't even allowed to testify in court, usually unless a man corroborated their story. And so these disciples who are very much conditioned by their sexist culture don't believe what these women are saying. And they're, by the way, hiding away scared, while the women at least have the boldness to pay respect to the, uh, the body of Jesus. Which, one of the ways you know the story is true, because this men who are writing this, is, and this is not the kind of thing they would make up and put into the story. This is rather embarrassing for them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Mm. Pray with me here. Father, let this message come alive to us. Many of us have heard this message uh, many, many, many times, but God, let it never grow old. Let it never become familiar. Father, this morning, give us ears to hear it as though for the first time and, and to see new dimensions of this beautiful proclamation, this incredible revelation. And Lord, let it find a lodging in our life. So it's not just a historical fact we know about, but it's a reality we live in. Yes. Come, Holy Spirit. Take over. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Defiant flower. I'm going to speak this morning on, on what is, I think, the most distinctive aspect of the Christian proclamation of, of the resurrection. At least in the first century, it was the most shocking aspect of this proclamation. It's also one that, in our culture, we don't get very well. In fact, it's usually ignored, and yet it's so important. 
And so the first half of this message is going to be a rather intense teaching time. So keep your thinking caps on. And then the last part of it, we'll be applying it to our lives. But there's some teaching to do here uh, to help us kind of reframe what the meaning of the resurrection is all about. Today, when we think about the resurrection, usually people sort of associate it just with sort of a vague idea of the afterlife. I was at a funeral a while back, and, and uh, as is customary, the pastor read from John 11, uh, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, then the pastor, as is customary, applied this to the person that was being buried and said, because of this promise of Jesus, um, we can know that this person is in heaven. They're now seated, seated with Jesus. And I'm not opposed to the belief that a person seated with Jesus as soon as they die, but here's the thing. No one in the first century would have applied the verse that way. No one in the first century would have called that the resurrection. In first century Jewish theology, many Jews believed that the soul lived after you died, immediately went to be with God, or went to punishment. But not all Jews did. But no one would have called that the resurrection, the belief in the afterlife. The resurrection in the first century mindset wasn't something that happened to an individual, and it wasn't something that happened immediately after death. That's how we think about it today. But in the first century, the resurrection was something that happens at the end of the age, and it's something that happens to everybody. And that was the main hope. Whether they believe that there's an in-between conscious stage or not wasn't really that important to them. The hope is in the resurrection uh, that is to come in the future, and that's when the judgment is going to take place. So you can think of it this way. Here's a diagram. We right now live in what they would regard as the reign of Satan. And the New Testament, of course, shares this, this view. Uh, history right now is under this oppressive demonic force. Uh, creation is screwed up. We are screwed up. Society is screwed up. Everything is screwed up. Death reigns. There's wars and strife that go on. There's bloodshed everywhere. Uh, it doesn't unambiguously manifest the beautiful character of God, that's for sure. It's, it's the reign of, of, uh, of Satan. For most Jews in the first century, the primary evidence that we're yet under the reign of Satan is that we die and that Israel is oppressed and ruled by pagans. And, and so when the Messiah comes, Israel will be restored and there'll be no more death. And so in this view, there would be a point in time in history when the Messiah would come. And when the Messiah comes, you'll know that he's come because everybody will be raised. There'll be this resurrection. And then there'll become this judgment, and the righteous will reign on God, with God on earth from then on. And they had different ideas about what would happen to the wicked. But all of creation would then be restored, so there'll be no more death, and there'll be no more earthquakes, and, uh, and no more national oppression. And then God will reign forever and ever and ever on earth which, with, with, with his righteous people. That was the standard Jewish view. Notice here, then, that as long as there's any death in the world, any sin in the world, any oppression in the world, any injustice in the world, in the Jewish worldview, that means that the Messiah has not come. Um, This is why most Jews today don't believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, They don't think he's the Messiah, because if he was the Messiah, the world would be made better. And clearly the world is, is, is still a, as we've been saying the last several months in our series, a crappy place. And that's to them as proof that the Messiah has not come. Until all death disappears and, and all sin disappears and all oppression disappears, all we can do is wait. And so the, the basic pious posture of, of Orthodox, Orthodox Jewish people, at least back in the time of Jesus, was one of waiting and longing and hoping and praying. 
Because all the good stuff is yet in the future. But notice your resurrection. It means end times. It means the beginning of the reign of God. That's, that's the meaning of it. It means the defeat of evil. They would never have thought about resurrection of an individual. And certainly never of the resurrection of an individual ahead of time. But see, this is precisely what the early Christians are proclaiming. It just blew everyone away. This wasn't supposed to happen like this. This is a, a, another reason why you can know this story was not fabricated. It wasn't made up. It completely did not fit with their, their, their way of looking at history and their way of looking at the world. It, it didn't square with their theology. Jesus was resurrected. That wasn't supposed to happen to one person, and it wasn't supposed to happen before the end. He wasn't just resuscitated. That wouldn't have caused problems. The Jews knew about resuscitations, divine resuscitations. Uh, where people came back to life for a little while, but then they died again. Uh, Lazarus lived uh, uh, after he he was dead for four days. He came to life again, but eventually he died again. That's a resuscitation. Jesus resuscitated a number of people, but they died again. Jesus wasn't just resuscitated. He just just didn't get some kind of divine CPR, uh, you know, or uh, he didn't get, he he didn't get uh, death postponed a little longer. He conquered death. And they knew the difference between the two. He conquered death. Uh, he, he, his body was different. Uh, he, he put on this glorious body. He had entered the new age of God's reign. He'd, he'd entered a new order of reality. Uh, he had a body that didn't uh, obey the laws of physics the way, uh, the way ours do. He could walk through walls. He could be, you know, two, two, two places far apart and very, very quickly. Uh, it's hard to even understand exactly how his body operated. But one thing's for sure. He did not die again. And so they believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected, not just resuscitated. And yet it didn't fit into their worldview. Here's one person resurrected, but the rest were not. One person's conquered death, but the others have not. So in one sense, the kingdom of God has come, but in another sense, it hasn't. In one sense, Satan has been defeated, but in another sense, he hasn't been defeated. It was, it, there was this, this odd tension that the resurrection of Jesus created in their minds. And it led to this new insight, a, a new way of reframing history. It looks a little bit like this. You still have the reign of Satan that gives way to the reign of God, as in the standard Jewish worldview. And now the Christians came to understand, and you see this reflected in a variety of ways throughout the New Testament. They came to understand that there's an in-between stage, a transitional stage. The process of moving from the reign of Satan to the reign of God is a process. It's not going to happen instantaneous. There's a transition, a time where the two kingdoms coexist, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And they coexist in tension with one another. And so there's conflict and there's transition, a period of time where you say the kingdom is already here, and yet the kingdom is not yet manifested. It's not yet fully uh, uh, victorious over all, all of creation. It is in principle but not in manifested fact. There's this transition period. And it, the transition period beca- begins when the Messiah comes the first time. This is a pr- brand new thinking to first century Judaism. When the Messiah comes the first time and he is resurrected, that's when the, the end begins. And it will end when the Messiah returns and everyone is resurrected. And then God will reign on earth endlessly, unambiguously, and without opposition. And so we're in this overlap period of time, this time where the two kingdoms coexist and are in conflict with one another. Right now, all you can say is there's a sense in which he's already here, but not yet here. Yeah, the kingdom has totally arrived, but we don't yet see it fully manifested. 
A verse that I think captures this tension between the already and not yet in a particularly good way is Hebrews chapter 2. And here the author says, You crown them, referring to human beings, you crown them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And see, one of the things that all Jews believed uh, would happen when the Messiah returns and the kingdom comes is that human beings would uh, now be reinstated as God's viceroys on this earth, his administrators on the earth, the rightful rulers uh, on earth under his lordship. That's, how, that's why we were originally created. And, but we've lost that under the reign of Satan, but we'll get it back. And so here the author says, you crown them with glory and honor, put everything under their feet. Yet at present, look at this, we do not yet see everything subject to them. We don't experience this fact yet. But we do see Jesus now crowned with glory and honor. What the author is saying here is, in fact, past tense, God has been victorious. In fact, God has subjected everything to our feet. In fact, we've been reinstated into our rightful position as rulers on this earth. In fact, creation has been restored. But we don't yet see it. We don't yet experience it. But we know it's a fact because we do see Jesus. And what happened to Jesus is going to happen to everybody soon. We're in the, this, this stage where the, the kingdom has already come. We don't yet. It's not already manifested yet, but it's just a matter of time. And, 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 and from God's perspective, it's been virtually instantaneous. But from our perspective, it takes a while. I mean, God, God has been around for a long time, eternity, for example. Uh, and, and so any duration of time for God, any duration of time is going to feel infinitely small. Right? It gets measured against infinity. It's infinitely small. So from, from God's perspective, you know, there's the fall, then Jesus comes, and Jesus dies, and Jesus rises again, and boom, there's the, the kingdom. It's a blink of an eye for God. But for us, it's this process. It's taken 2,000 years. It may take another 2,000 for all we know. It's a difference of perspective. It's a little bit like this. This is my favorite analogy. Uh, it's not everyone's favorite analogy, so just hang, hang with me here. But it's like this. When I turn on a light switch... Uh, I, 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 the room is instantaneously filled with light. I don't say, uh, I turn on the light switch, and then, and then the room became full of light. No, it's, I turned on the light. It's instantaneous. But if I was a subatomic particle, uh, a muon, for example, which, which exists for a nanosecond and travels close to the speed of light, if I was a muon, uh, these particles that are generated by the interaction of the sun with the upper stratosphere. Don't, I, I, I'm going to delete all that right now. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go there. Geekville, Geekville, Geekville. There's this, <laughs> uh, this muon particle. It exists for a fraction of a nanosecond, all right? And, and it, it, from that perspective, from muon's perspective, uh, the, the, it, it would take half a lifetime for the room to be filled with light. The muon would see me turning on the light switch, and then slowly the darkness is pushed back as light takes over the room. Half a lifetime. And the muon maybe would even say, how long until the light reigns in this room? How long till the light shines and the darkness cannot overtake it? Oh, come quickly, light photons. Or something like that. Go into the light. Go into the light. Well, see, it's a difference of perspectives. And so from God's perspective, light switch on, kingdom comes. But from our perspective, we're like, oh, this is taking so long. But see, God's perspective is the true perspective, right? And so from God's perspective, when he says the kingdom has come, well, then you know the kingdom has come. It is virtually upon us. It is here. It is now. Now, here, here's the cash value of all this. And this is the main thing that would have confronted Jews as they heard this proclamation in the first century. It means that the time for waiting is done. If Jesus has raised from the dead, then we have entered the end of time. The end of the world has begun. The reign of God has begun. So the time to start living the kingdom is now. 
The time to start living as though you're in heaven is now because heaven is here. And no more waiting for the rest of the world to get its act together. We start here. We start now. We start with us because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's now. Which brings me to the defiant flower. And I, I want to say this before I uh, tell this story. If uh, you're not a native from Minnesota and, or come from a warmer climate, and we've got thousands of parishioners now who are listening who come from areas where they never have snow. And so to get this story, this analogy, you need to understand that up here in Minnesota, come April, we hate snow. <laughs> and there's a few oddballs out there who don't, but they're odd. Uh, we, we, get, we get, it's really pretty, really pretty, but by April we don't care, we hate it, we loathe it. Especially this year, this year's been brutal. It's been nasty, it's the gift that just keeps on giving just when you think it's done, it comes more and more and more. We're crying, uncle, 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 stop, but it just keeps on coming on us. It's ridiculous. It can be very, very discouraging. So, so this analogy is, is going to liken snow to diabolical oppression and sin, which for Minnesotans... That's no stretch. <laughs> That's not even an analogy. <laughs> That's literal. So uh, I'm out, I'm out for, on a walk. Um, I'm out on a walk with my dog. This is about a month ago or so. And we'd had the first kind of thaw where a lot of the snow, maybe, uh, half or more of the snow that was eight feet high, uh, was, was, was melting. And it, you know, it looked, oh, it felt really springy there for a couple of days. Uh, and then all of a sudden, wham, went from 75 to 25 in the span of, of, of 24 hours. Minnesota, April, it sucks. <laughs> so I'm out there walking in, in this cold night with a dog, and I come upon this flower sticking through the snow. Now, th- this wasn't the actual flower. Uh, uh, the one I saw, I, what kind of flower is that anyways? That's a dandelion? <laughs> well, last night I had a different flower and I got it wrong. I thought it was, okay, a dandelion. Roar, that's a tough little lion. Ain't he dandy? Look at that. Roar, you roar, you roar. Wow, that's just... What I, what I saw was a tulip. And it was popping right through the snow. And it just blew me away. Now, I went back all excited, told my wife, I saw a tulip. And uh, she says they do that all the time. And they're just really hardy and they, can, they just pop through. But I looked at the, There's something encouraging about looking at this, this flower popping through the snow. In the cold air all around, it's shivery. And I'm probably psychologically projecting onto the flower. I'm willing to grant you that. But it was almost as though that flower was saying, check this out. I'm not waiting for the snow to melt. I'm popping through. <laughs> I'm done being cold. I'm done being oppressed. Frozen under this cold ground. I'm sick of this Minnesota winter. I got to get free. I got to pop up. I got to see me some sun now. I got I to put on display the beauty of my colors and, 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 and share with the world the beauty of my aroma. And I want to pollinate some seeds and spread some spring around. And I'm not waiting for the snow to melt to do it. I'm doing it now. What a defiant flower. I'm busting through. Isn't that good? Oh, it's so encouraging. You go, dandelion. Arr! And see, that flower is proof. That, that one flower popping through is proof that spring is on us. We're, spring is here. You wouldn't have seen that flower doing that in de- December or January or February, probably not even in March. If you see a flower popping through the ground, you know that spring is here. Now, we're not in summer yet. Uh, we're not in summer yet, so there still may be some cold days ahead and God forbid, maybe even a few more snowflakes. Ooh, I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. But 
It may happen. But see, spring is virtually here. And we're in this weird April month. April's this already not yet month, isn't it? April. We're, we're, we're not yet in summer, but we're certainly out of the winter. And it's in between. It feels like both. And span of 25 hours can go from, from one to the other. It's this already not yet, this transitional period. But this, the, the snow is melting, praise God. And spring has come. The flower has appeared. And so the time to start thinking spring is now. And the time to start acting like spring is now. And insofar as it's possible, the time to start dressing like spring is now. Because spring has sprung. The flower proves it. And so it is with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, You know, we often say that the resurrection proves that Jesus is divine, and it does do that. But in the first century, the main thing that the the resurrection of Jesus proves is that winter is on its way out and spring has come. It proves that the time of oppression is done and the freedom of God is here. The reign of Satan is, is, is leaving and the victory of God is upon us. The reign of death is done and the reign of life is now here. And so the time to start living is now. The time to be in the kingdom is now. The time to manifest life is now. And God, there's still snow on the ground all over the world. There's snow. Uh, yeah, it's a cold world. It's still, the, the oppression is still there. The manifestation of, of evil is still there. Snow is still on the ground. But see, God has given us, if you will, flower power. Uh, scratch that one. That's a 60s thing or something. I don't know where that... You know, God empowers us to be in Christ, right? This isn't just something that happens to Jesus. That resurrection power percolates over on us. And yes, there's still snow on the ground and there's still cold, but we are empowered to manifest the kingdom now. We are empowered to break through. We are empowered to put on display the beauty of the colors of the kingdom and to spread the aroma of the kingdom and to pollinate the seeds of the kingdom. That's what we're called and empowered to do, and we don't need to wait for any snow to melt to do it. We do it here, we do it now. The Jews always thought and you had to wait for all the snow to be gone before you could grow a flower. You can't celebrate the kingdom until death and sickness and illness is totally gone. So they just waited. And they thought that you couldn't celebrate the kingdom of God being here and couldn't believe the Messiah had come until all national oppression had ended and and, and Israel was liberated and there was no more wars and no more violence. And so they just waited. Resurrection for the early Christians changed everything. And if we believe it today, it changes everything. Because it means that the time of waiting is over. The Christians proclaimed, because of the resurrection, that the Messiah, the Messiah has come. The Messiah has given his life to free us, and the Messiah has been raised. So the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. The time to sprout flowers is now. Yes, there's still sickness, and there's still death and disease. Yes. But in the power of God, we're not going to wait for all that snow to melt before we start living the, the kingdom of God. So we come against sickness here and now. We come against death here and now. And even when death grips us as it still does in the snow-covered world, we still sprout flowers. It's still time to blossom. Even if you're here and you're on your last breath, it's still time to blossom. You've got a flower to grow. And so you manifest the joy of the kingdom in the midst of death and the peace of, of the kingdom in the midst of death. You put on the colors and the aroma and spread the seeds of the kingdom, regardless of what snows around you. Because we're empowered to pop through. We don't wait for the world to be done with wars before we manifest a kingdom that's free of wars. We don't wait for the world to get us act together before we do what God has called us and empowered us to do. We're not going to wait for the nations to get their act together or the governments to get their act together or the politics to get their act together. If you're waiting for that one, you're going to be waiting a long time. We're not waiting for any snow to melt. Our job is right here, right now, to blossom. Insofar as it's possible, yeah, there's still snow, but our job is to blossom. We're empowered to blossom. And, and to put on display right now a kingdom that is free of all of that. 
The nation's still fighting, but we put on display a kingdom where we love our enemies, amen? And where we put off all violence and, 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 and we manifest a kingdom that displays the love of God. And we manifest a kingdom that affirms life right here and right now and a kingdom that's free of all the social structures and, and all the racial structures and all the class structures uh, that are all part of the old frozen world. That's all winter stuff. That's all old ordered stuff. That is not from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it's gone. And so our job is to live as though it's gone and to be free because it's gone. We put on display the kingdom that's free of racism and free of those social structures and free of all that judgment and free of all that classism, free of all that, the categories of gender and, and all the other things the world invests so much significance in. No, that's all old order stuff and it's done away. We are free. We are free and we manifest it. Yeah, there's a lot of snow still around. Who cares? We pop through. We pop through. That's what the resurrection of Jesus means. This is why the early Christians, they didn't worry too much. They didn't worry at all about what Caesar was doing and the nations were doing. You read the New Testament. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in the first century. Everyone else was commenting all over the place with whose battles winning what and what government's doing what and what's Caesar up to. Christians, they don't, they, they, they don't even comment on it. And the reason is because they understood that all that is old order thinking. That's old age thinking. That's fallen world thinking. That's all. You can tweak that. You, know, you can tweak it, but you're not going to... You're just rearranging the snow. It's all cold. No, we're called to live in spring. Spring has sprung. And so we're called to live it. And so they, they, they manifest the kingdom where there's really only one president that they care about, uh, one king, one, one, one emperor, and his name is Jesus Christ. Uh, he's our one master, one lord and master, and he's the one we live on. Everything else is just snow. It's just there. This uh, teaching on the already not yet living in this transitional world, it applies to us as a people, what we're together called to do, but it also applies to our life individually. Uh, we all live in this in-between time, this April of history, if you will. Um, the resurrection has happened. The kingdom has come. We, if, if, if you're surrendered to Jesus, you've got spring pulsating through your veins. You've got this urge to put on display the, the, the beauty of the kingdom. Um, and, and, and that's all true. But what's also true, as we live in this April transitional season of history, is that we also have snow to deal with, don't we? What's also true is that we live in a, a world that still continues to be very, very cold and icy. And we've all got snow we've got to deal with, and we can't pretend that we don't. It's the last series that we just had. Crap happens. It was all about the snow in our life. See, to, 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 to manifest the kingdom, we don't pretend that there is no snow. You like brainwash ourselves. Oh, it's just all spring. Everything's all spring. Happy, 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 happy. No, 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 no. There's really snow. It's really cold. We just have to press through that, and we do it in the power of God. So we're here, and some of us have the cold sting of having lost a child. That's winter stuff. Or a marriage that has failed. That's winter stuff. Or an anxiety disorder. That's, that, that, that's winter stuff that we still have to deal with. Or you struggle with depression, or you struggle with an addiction. Or maybe you got chronic pain in your life. That's, that's winter stuff. That's winter stuff. It's there. And we come against it and, and, and declare war on it, and, but sometimes it goes and sometimes it doesn't. We still have to deal with it. We have uh, the winter stuff of estranged relationships with our kids sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's the financial stress that's there, having lost the house, or it's the ongoing nag, the enemy invading your brain over something you did in the past and won't leave you alone. You're still always struggling with that. There's a lot of winter stuff, a lot of winter stuff. There's snow all around. But this message tells us is that despite all of that, we've, we're empowered to pop through. 
I mean, there will come a time, and this is a hope that we hang on to, uh, it, it, that when there's come a time, when, praise God, when all the snow will melt. Ah, when, when there will be no more snow, that will be great. There will come a time when there's no more sickness, no more disease, no more estrangement, no more separation, no more despair, anxiety, no more death, no more illness. Praise God. I can't wait for that to happen. When, 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 the, when the already is all there is, there's no more not yet. And all evil has been dispelled and God reigns unambiguously in victory forever and ever and ever and ever. As we sang about earlier, I can't wait for that to happen. But the message of this morning is I literally cannot wait for it to happen. And you cannot wait for it to happen. And God tells us not to wait for it to happen because it's already here. It's already here. Not unambiguously, but it is already here. And our job is to, as much as possible in the middle of the snowstorm, to manifest spring, to manifest it now. It means that we're never allowed to. For our own sake here, God empowers us and commands us to never put a hiatus on our life. However bad the snowfall, don't put off living. Do it now. now. However snowy it is, don't put off shining. Do it now. There can be a lot of crusty stuff, but if we we start using the snow as an excuse not to pop up, well, then the snow wins. And there's no reason for the snow wins because Jesus rose from the dead, and we are in Christ Jesus. Regardless of your circumstances, shine, pop up. There's pain, unfinished stuff, there's struggles, there's death, but don't wait to live. Do it now. Don't, 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 because of the affliction that you've got, say, well, maybe tomorrow or a year from now, or when, when I get my act together, or when the world gets its act together, then I'll live passionate, then I'll be on fire for God, no, then I'll start celebrating. No, now, right here, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, snow all around, and it's not fun, but we're empowered to pop through. And just because you can't get rid of all the snow doesn't mean that you can't grow flowers. Just because the snow hasn't all melted doesn't mean you can't grow flowers. In fact, Dan, would you put a pic- that picture up there again, that picture of the flower? Look at that flower. And, and that, 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 you can pop through in some way or other, even if you're on your last breath. You have terminally ill. And this is your last Sunday morning. There, there, there's some aspect of the kingdom that God wants to empower you to manifest. Some aroma he wants you to share, some seeds he wants you to, to, to spread, regardless of your circumstance. We can't do that on our own. This isn't a, uh, isn't a pep talk like, oh, come on, buck up, happy camper, you can do it. No, this is all our relying on, on God being in a relationship with God and letting his spring life flow through us and then to become manifested. So I want to lead us in a short little exercise here as we, as we close. And it's just about this. We've all got snow in our life, and you know what that snow is. The thing about snow is you can't ignore it. It's cold. Maybe you get a little bit used to it, but it's always there. So you know what the snow is. The question for Resurrection Morning is this. Uh, what flower does God want you to grow despite the snow? The peace of the kingdom, the joy of the kingdom, the resilience of the kingdom, maybe the healing of the kingdom, the love of the kingdom despite snow, of hatred in your life. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, help us to focus on this. Um, let God reveal to you what aspect of the kingdom, what flower you're supposed to grow. So if, if you want to close your eyes, if that helps you listen to God, do that. Really, the even more fundamental question is this. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ so that you're now tapped into that spring power? And that's not about what you believe as historical fact. Yes, I believe as a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. You may believe that, you may not. But that, that's not really my question now. The question is, are you surrendered 
genuinely surrendered. And if you're not, then I encourage you right this moment to do that. Because what is true of all the early disciples and what's true of all disciples today can be true of you. That despite the snow in your life, you have the power to shine and to live out the kingdom here and now. We don't wait for heaven to show up. We manifest it now. And you can do that if you'll surrender. And so just surrender your life to him. And if you do that, I encourage you after this service to come up here and talk to the prayer folks who will be up here. Tell them that you did this. That helps seal that commitment. And then we'll talk about how to start walking forward in the kingdom of life. So all of us right now, ask the question, what flower? Reveal to us. There's this patch of snow in your life. Maybe it's the struggling marriage, or maybe it's the addiction, or maybe it's the pain of a lost loved one that you're reminded of every Easter morning. I don't know. But I promise you, if you'll listen, God is saying, well, okay, that snow's not going to melt right now, but you can still grow this flower. You can still grow this flower. This dandelion. You can still roar. You can still bask in the sun. Holy Spirit, reveal this to us. Reveal this to us. Just wait on God. What aspect of the kingdom does he want you to resurrect now, before the end of the age? What aspect of heaven are you to manifest? What flower bed are you supposed to grow? Yeah, don't just think about one flower. There's a whole flower bed. We're empowered to grow. Reveal it to us, Holy Spirit. Despite this snow, I can still smile. Despite this injustice, I can still forgive. Despite this pain, I can still be optimistic. Despite the rejection, I can still reach out. Mm. Despite the sickness, I can still trust God. Manifest the flower. And as I close in prayer, I want to ask the prayer teams to come up here. And if you have any need whatsoever that you'd like to have prayed for, I encourage you to come forward and pray with these folks. Or maybe if God is working on you in some particular area and you don't feel like you want to pray with another, you can come up here and just kneel at the altar. There's a power in that. And, and just surrender this uh, to, to Christ. And if you've surrendered your life here this morning or want more questions, answer questions about that, come up here and talk to these folks. They'd love to introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and get you walking in the kingdom way. So Lord, thank you for coming and taking on our humanity, taking on our sin, taking on our death. Most of all, thank you for conquering it all and rising from the dead. And now, Lord, as we go forth, help us to live in that resurrection power and to shine with that resurrection power, to love in that resurrection power, to forgive in that resurrection power, to not let the snow bury us, to shine through, to break through, spread kingdom seeds. Your love in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children said... Amen. God bless you guys. Go out and live the resurrection.